the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, September the 9th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 9, 1850, California became the 31st state of the Union. Today in 1776, the Second Continental Congress made the term United States official, as opposed to United Colonies. Today in 1893, Frances Cleveland, the wife of President Grover Grover Cleveland, gave birth to a daughter, Esther, in the White House. That was the first and, to date, the only time that a president's child has been born in the White House. Today in 1948, the People's Democratic Republic of Korea was declared. That's, we know it as North Korea. Today in 1956, Elvis Presley made the first of three appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show. Today in 1957, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, he signed the first civil rights bill to pass Congress since Reconstruction. It was a major, uh, a major primarily concerned with protecting voting rights, which also established a civil rights division in the U.S. Department of Justice. And five years ago today, Defying the White House, Congress set President Barack Obama legislation giving the families of victims of the September 11 attacks the right to sue Saudi Arabia. Obama then vetoed the bill. But Congress came back and overrode his veto. And today, five years ago, today, Democrat President nominee Hillary Clinton She was speaking at an LGBTQ fundraiser in New York City. She got a little ahead of her skis, as they say. And she started talking about Republicans, and particularly Republican Donald Trump. But then she kind of evolved to talking about his supporters. And it was there that she called about half of Donald Trump's supporters a basket of deplorables. And that was a statement that she later ended up expressing regret for saying. But it is written in God's word, As a man thinketh, so is he. And out of the heart, our words come in abundance. That's what she really believed. She just didn't mean to say it. That was the issue. I want to talk to you today about some issues that face the church, about us deplorables, I suppose, in the minds of some, at least Hillary, and I'm sure she's not the only one that sees evangelical Christians as deplorables. That's who she was talking about. She knew that the LGBTQ people would understand who she was really talking about. She herself claims to be a devout Methodist, just as Joe Biden claims to be a devout Catholic, neither is true, at least according to the doctrines of their church and the teaching. The Methodist Church, of course, is splitting over the issue of homosexuality and the LGBTQ agenda. But nonetheless, we live in a very 
very confusing time. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Isaiah the prophet said, For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded or confused. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. I will know the truth, he saying, because God will show me, and God will lead me. In the Proverbs we read, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lead not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he, he shall direct thy paths. And so on. There are many other verses. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. I'm going to be talking a little bit about a sound mind today as well. The View is a program on ABC that has been on there for years. Barbara Walter started it. I don't want to talk much about it. I don't watch it, but millions do. And it's been very successful. It's on about mid-morning, I don't know what time, maybe 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, like around now. No, don't turn off your radio and go find it. But I want to tell you about a conversation they had on Tuesday, day before yesterday. It was the first uh, show of their, it's their 25th season, in fact, that they've been on the air. So that speaks of success uh, as far as ratings. But uh, millions watch it, but uh, women mostly. But uh, as they started their 25th season this year, it was interesting that they usually have one conservative on there, and then the rest are very, very liberal women, Whoopi Goldberg and some of those people. This year they've decided not to have a conservative on there, which I think says a lot, but that's not my really my point. But as they returned uh, live uh, on Tuesday of this week, the topic came up almost immediately of the Texas, this heartbeat bill that I've been talking about recently and a lot of others are talking about as well. And these women just were beside themselves. They were just angry out of control over this heartbeat bill. It's anti-abortion, I guess you could call it, in Texas. It's pro-life bill. Joy Behar, she almost sounded like she was working for MSNBC, not ABC. Maybe they're all the same. She began referring to Republicans in general as the Taliban in America. MSNBC, the NBC, the arm of NBC, the news arm, they were talking about that and calling Republicans the Taliban in America last week. So she picked up on that and she was talking about it. But Whoopi Goldberg started off the discussion very angry about victims of rape being unable now to get an abortion in Texas. And she said, this is going to spread. Well, I hope to God, I pray that it will spread. And it it is spreading. In fact, other states are considering a bill similar to this now. But anyway... She was very angry, and she was angry on behalf of victims of rape being unable to get an abortion. She said, abortion is my right as a Christian parent. Now, let that sink in. Abortion is a right as a Christian parent. Because for me, she said, if you believe as a Christian parent, then I know what's best for my child. If my child has been raped or has been molested, allow me to take care of my child and my family. In other words, allow me to get an abortion and take my child over there, whatever. 
Then she argued that pro-lifers were the same people who didn't wear masks, didn't believe in vaccination, all the, I mean, and and then they kept expanding from there. But it was all based on their identification and their hatred, really, of biblical Christians, of evangelicals, of conservatives. This fellow co-host, this Sunny Hostin, she's been on there for years. She said, I am a Catholic. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the transcript here. I didn't watch the show, but I, I have the transcript in front of me. She said, I am a Catholic. I believe that abortion is sin and morally wrong, but I am pro-choice. She agreed with Whoopi that conservatives were hypocrites because they don't take liberal positions on issues. And how can they not be a hypocrite if they don't embrace liberal positions which are right? I'm not kidding you. This is the conversation. Millions of women are watching this stuff, and men, I, I'm sure, but it's the prim- their audience is primarily women. But she continues, and I'm quoting her. I agree with you, Whoopi, in a sense that I see this incredible hypocrisy coming from the Christian right, especially among people like myself, who say that abortion is wrong and say it's about the sanctity of life, yet they're so supportive of gun gun ownership. How can they be supportive of gun ownership? If they're pro-life, they're so supportive of AR-15s. They're so supportive of the death penalty. They're so supportive of never-ending wars. They claim to be pro-life. So I have to get out there because this is really about personal choice. I do get this now after being on this show for five years. Joy Behar, she jumped in and displayed her nastiness towards conservatives. She said, they also don't care after the kid is born. Then they drop you like a hot rock. The audience clapped like crazy at that time. They have an audience there, I guess. Anyway, Behar, then she got a little more volatile. She said, let's say what this is really about, right? It's about the hatred of women. Austin worried out loud that this law, quoting, would lead to terror against doctors and terror against clinics. This other co-host is Sarah Haynes. She made this probably the most bizarre claim of all. She said, just to be clear on something, Sonny, nobody, I think I can say this for every person in the world, is pro-abortion. This is a decision people are brought to, and it's a life-changing, hard-altering that no man ever has to face. I'm quoting her now. These are her words. No man ever has had to face it. No man has ever had to face it. This is not something anyone is just for just to be clear. Clapping in the audience. You know, it's as you say, we're all pro-life. And when you thought it couldn't get weird, weirder, and I'm not going to put you through any more of this, Whoopi starts saying out loud, she said, I'm worried that if women couldn't get abortions, they would kill their children. They would find other ways to kill them. And she said, SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, is going to be responsible for these babies when these people have these children. What happens when they're, God forbid, murdered by their parents? Whose responsibility is that? And it continued. I won't put you through any more of it. That's bizarre. But it reflects the culture that we live in. Very much so. 
But God is not the author of confusion. Governor Inslee once said that we've got the best weed in the world. We is Washington State. Weed is pot, marijuana. That's what he said. I want to talk to you a moment about that because it leads to what I really want to say to you today. There's a new peer-reviewed research paper that shows that young adults that use cannabis are twice more likely to experience a heart attack. Jay Inslee, running for governor back in 2012, said he was not comfortable with a statewide initiative to legalize recreational marijuana. You remember that. We talked about it uh, at the time in the column I write, and it was about that time that I started this radio program, and we talked about, have talked about it on this program over the last few years that I've been on the air live every morning at 9 a.m., originating at 9. I'm on a little bit different, a little bit later, a little delay in some other markets. But anyway, we've talked about it. Well, later, the Seattle PI, not the Times, but the PI, would report, quote, Governor Inslee is these days singing the praises of a once forbidden weed. Let me talk. There's a lot of confusion around this. Science says don't use weed. (laughs) The governor says we got the best weed in the world. This peer-reviewed research published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal on Tuesday of this week found that this uh, that what we know as heart heart attacks was more prevalent in American adults under 45 who either smoked, vaped, or consumed cannabis as edibles compared to those who do not use it. Although smoking was the most common form of use, vaping and edibles in this study found that also increased the risk of a heart attack. So it isn't just the smoke into your, that we know from cigarettes, tobacco, but just using marijuana in general, for whatever purpose, causes heart attacks. When he was running for governor of the state of Washington in 2012, Inslee said he just wasn't comfortable with legalizing weed. He said, I, I just don't feel comfortable with it. We, we don't know, you know enough about it and blah, blah, blah. So he personally voted against Initiative 502, but it didn't matter because it passed anyway, legalizing weed statewide. And this is happening in other states, too. Your state may be one of them. The Seattle PI says the favorable vote penetrated, the vote for weed, legalizing it, penetrated the cascade curtain, meaning the other side, for those of you in other places in other states, that means the other side of the Cascade Mountains, other than Seattle and the surrounding area. So which usually they do not vote uh, the same both sides of the mountain. But anyway, perhaps Inslee, knowing it would pass anyway, decided to play both sides of the issue, knowing the leftists would vote for him anyway because they're not going to vote for a Republican. Well, maybe, just maybe, a conservative on that other side of the mountain might fill out the blank because he stands for, maybe, stands for, well, sort of, he could stand for, not legalizing marijuana. Anyway, who knows the mind of a so-called progressive? By 2018, though, the PI reported again, and they've been following this, Washington Governor Jay Inslee boasts, we've got the best weed as pot support blossoms. That was their headline. So Governor Inslee is, these days, they said, singing the praises of a once forbidden weed. 
Inslee told host Bill Mayer on his HBO show, Real Time, he said, For you, Bill, I can honestly say we've got the best weed in the United States of America. It's a growing industry, and it's well-regulated. Everything is just fine. It's safe. Let's go. It's interesting that Jay Inslee's first reaction was not to identify as a supporter, but then he pivoted to become a cheerleader for pot. It shows that he is not so deep, but he is wide in his politics. The PI suggested at the time that his wavering might have something to do with the fact of his politics, more than science. Yeah, really, that would be true. The scientist at St. Michael's Hospital, who was a co-author of this study, says the study noted that, quote, beyond the the main finding that heart attacks are found to be more common in cannabis users, what did we find is that what we did find is that more people use use it, the higher the risk. And according to the CDC, using marijuana caused one's heart to beat faster and could result in an increased risk of stroke and heart disease. The agency's website says smoked marijuana delivers THC and other cannabinoids to the body, but it also delivers substances found in tobacco smoke, which are harmful to the lungs and the cardiovascular system. I know what you're thinking. You're listening to me and you're saying, boy, oh boy, but Gary doesn't understand, man. This has a medicinal use. Oh, I do understand, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. Science says marijuana is the most commonly used addictive drug following tobacco and alcohol. The latest study adds to this growing body of evidence that links cannabis and its use to heart complications. The PI reports that Inslee said of President Trump, quote, wouldn't it be wonderful if for the first time, for the first time, Donald Trump said something that was actually true, if he said he'd leave us alone on our marijuana decriminalization. Wouldn't it be wonderful if leftists, so-called progressives, would stop telling us they simply follow the science? The science is screaming, this isn't a good thing. They're saying that, and they're saying it again this week. And it's well-founded scientific research. In fact, it would be glorious if they would stop telling us they're progressive. (laughs) They're not. They're regressive and destructive. What about cannabis? I mean, is it something that we should not use? I want to talk to you heart to heart about that today. Maybe more as a pastor than a talk show radio guy. I don't know. Been a pastor, associate pastor in the ministry my entire adult life. Let me tell you some things that I've learned from kids and from my own walk. I've never used drugs. I'm blessed. I probably could have, but my mother or my grandmother would have beat me to death if they'd have found out about it. Maybe that was part of it. I don't know. I grew up in a Christian home, and some of my friends rebelled and went away from the Lord. I rebelled and stayed in the church and didn't do anything bad because I was afraid I'd get killed if I got caught. But I came to love the Lord very imperfectly in life, as we all are. But I've learned some things along the way, and I've learned a lot from kids who found themselves struggling, whether it was pot or LSD. I've been a youth pastor to thousands of kids in our lifetime. Marjorie and I have given a good part of our life to being youth ministers because 
we felt called to that. Like many issues that we're facing in contemporary society today, marijuana use is never mentioned in the Bible. For this reason, medicinal, as we say, cannabis, it needs to be viewed from the perspective of principles that are relating to substance abuse and abuse. There's four important things that I'd like to say to you today about that. I know all of you are not going to agree with this because I am fully aware that the church today, the Church of Jesus Christ, is consuming too much alcohol, and now we're using cannabis like chewing gum. I want to give you a different perspective on that. Will smoking pot send you to hell? No, but rebellion against God may, and ultimately will if you don't get it right. But like many issues, this issue is presented as gray or okay. Medical cannabis needs to be viewed, though, from this perspective of principles about substance abuse. Four things. Number one, the Bible calls Christians to sobriety. Since it's impossible to smoke marijuana without getting high, trust me, I've never used it. I haven't used drugs. But I've been with thousands of kids who are stoned out of their mind. I've seen it all. I've seen the I've been vomited upon. <laughs> that is not a pleasant experience, I can tell you. I've been with kids vomiting and bringing up their guts from everything they've eaten in the last two days. I mean, I've seen it all. The Bible calls us to be sober as Christians. It's impossible to smoke weed without becoming intoxicated by it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 contrasts drunkenness and alertness. Paul says, let us be alert and sober. Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate, uh, breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Sobriety is essential to exercise our faith, our love, and our hope. Being dulled or high, it takes away that moment-by-moment call to faith. Being high dulls us in the pressing call to love and an awareness of, of true needs of others, to be sensitive to the people around us. That's part of our Christian life and experience. Being high obscures the tangible reality of the hope of the return of Jesus Christ, which the Bible is very clear that we are to believe and hope for in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Sobriety is essential to exercise the faith and the love and the hope that we've been called to. Put simply, drunkenness is a barrier to the Holy Spirit's filling. Do not get drunk with wine, Paul wrote, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. So we're talking about anything that is intoxicating, anything that takes away your power, that God-given power to make spiritual decisions. In a related text, Paul says, quote, But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, 2 Timothy 4.5. Here sobriety is viewed as a condition for endurance. To be high or to be intoxicated, it creates kind of a lethargy. I don't care. I mean, who cares? Let you know. The world is kind of into that. To fulfill your ministry that God has called you, and all of us have been called to a ministry, we are salt and light. We are the light 
in the sense of God's Word. We reflect very imperfectly, but we reflect the life of Christ. We are God's hand on this earth. I mean, I know somebody said, man, I don't want to, I don't want that responsibility. Well, you have that responsibility if you have eternal life, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I'm talking to biblical Christians now, not somebody that's kind of a Protestant version of Joe Biden or something. I'm not talking really to you. I would tell you to get it right in your heart with God. But I'm talking to people who are walking with the Lord. So we find that to be high or to be intoxicated in the New Testament clearly is the red flag is up. Don't do this. Paul wrote often, and there are a number of other scriptures I could share with you, but I chose to use those. Whether we get high through alcohol abuse or cannabis or whatever, it works against developing the kind of spiritual toughness required of an effective Christian to live in the world but not and be but be not of the world. So that's the first reason or consideration. The second one is clearly related to a principle. It comes from the context of being in a spiritual battle. Peter warns, be sober of spirit, be sober of spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Since marijuana is a psychoactive substance, the mind will be compromised in the spiritual war that our enemy is raging against us. Perhaps this is why Paul includes the word, the Greek word pharmakian, sorcery, as of the flesh in Galatians 5.20. Psychoactive drugs were used regularly in pagan worship, all the way back to the oldest prophets writing in the Old Testament. That's always been a part of pagan worship or satanic worship. Why would we as Christians want to dull our minds and give away the cognitive power that God has given us to think in some form of being able to meet the challenges of the day or whatever? I mean, why would we do this? Well, Gary, you don't understand my problem. Yes, I do. I've seen it all in a life of ministry. and I live in this world, too. I have challenges. We have challenges. The third thing is the New Testament teaching on Christians obeying secular government and its laws relates to marijuana. One, if you live in a state where it's illegal, you shouldn't be using it. But secondly, just because a state says something is legal doesn't make it legal before God. And his word. We, sh- we know that. We should know that. The state, Washington state says, Oregon says, others are saying, that same-sex marriage is legal. Well, it may be legal, but it's morally wrong because it isn't marriage. God does not ordain that kind of marriage. God ordains marriage between a man and a woman. One man, one woman. I mean, that's what marriage is. The state didn't make up the idea of marriage. God created marriage. You see what I'm saying? In other words, because the state says, oh, well, this is legal now. I mean, what else are they going to say is legal? Who knows? We do not follow the state in our heart. We follow God's laws. The fourth thing is that drunkenness is serious enough to call for church discipline. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, it's pretty sobering. Using of medical marijuana... See, primarily the symptom relief that THC brings. 
And that is part of the problem. A way of living that includes getting high seems clearly to be sufficient to remove somebody's fellowship from the church in Scripture. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 5.11. So that, those are the reasons why we better be very, very careful with this. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.